So, I mean, this is my homeboy podcast. I got my homeboy Napoleon. And I got my homeboy Twan. Man, what we was just discussing was the film The Joker. Uh, if y'all ain't picked up on it yet. Highest yeah. grossing film in history. Is it? Rated R film. Highest grossing rated R film. Just broke 900 million this week, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. Wow, so nine hundred million. So now yeah. and I thought it was boring. It's amazing, right? It's I mean, you different. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it's just so boring. Like I, I just thought it was. I, I just didn't. Get you it. walked in with expectations. Though. Yeah, I did. And what Unfortunately, were the expectations? I thought it was going to be like a Fight Club, but better. Okay. But it wasn't. Okay, it was See, not. Yeah, and it was. It was and, yeah. You know, Fight Club is a fighting movie. This was not a. I mean, he the Joker, though, man. He's supposed to create the whole mob. And I, it's like, oh, they just blindly followed him because he killed. Spoiler alert. But they just kind of blind. Uh, it's so just, if mm. you thought it was boring, why did people, why did I hear people walked out of it? I don't know. Because people are, you know, snowflake liberals or whatever mm. they are. I, I, I mean, I guess. I don't, it, I don't even feel like it was super, um, the whole incel thing. I don't feel like it was super that. I feel like they just marketed this movie really mm. well. But it was just kind of like not really. So, and then it also reminded me of like The Machinist. I, so I'm changing tracks, but it reminded me of The Machinist. A very underrated film. Yeah, yeah, but that was like a super artsy, oh my God. And it had actually Batman doing the same thing. So I saw the parallel. So it's not like I'm not a movie person and I didn't see it or mm-hmm. I just, it just was like, okay. Like it was really. To me, it was really slow, and it was the crescendo leaning up to insanity. However, that was a super slow crescendo, and I'm just like, ah, yeah. So before we go any further. Oh, yeah, we do need to introduce our guests. introduce my homeboy and my homegirl, man. Go ahead. Oh, man, we got my homeboy Knowledge here. Peace, peace, one love. Thank you for having me. What's up? What's up? What's up? And we have our homegirl, Racine. Hey, I'm here. Yes, yes, yes. So if y'all would, could y'all please introduce yourselves? We're going to let ladies go first. Sure. I'm Racine Ties. I am an author, author of Success Looks Good on Me. I just finished um, my first two children's books. One is called Peanut Butter and Jam. It's a picture book, but it's a little bit of rhyming oh, book. Nice. Um, lovely, lovely. Yeah. So uh, I also founded the Black Film Festival Atlanta. Um, I have a comic strip coming up and also Crave the Culture event is coming up this summer. Okay. Eric, can I go ahead and press number three for that? We got to give you a round of applause. Now, oh, right? thank you. Oh, you, know, you know the numbers now. <laughs> I, I write them down. This man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, this might come in handy. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. And now we're going to slide over here to Knowledge. Um, peace, peace, one love again. You know, name is Knowledge or the government, Ed Varney. Um, Government's always good. director. Um, digital rollout on my first feature film that I co-wrote with my partner, Graham Waldrop. Release. You can get it on Prime right now, iTunes, Google Play. You know, we appreciate all our five-star reviews and whatnot. And yes, yes. We're just working on some things right now. And the next follow-up, the education of Marco Flood and or potentially Ain't I a Man. Yes. And, yes, Marco Flood, I most definitely got to say, before we even get into it, amazing. Just, like, from what I've seen from the pitch and the six-minute uh, preview, amazing. It's very, very captivating. And clearly, I'm a person that's hard to please because I didn't like the Joker. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, it's 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 actually super dope, super dope. But I, I want to get into some of the, um, these topics. Like most most definitely, uh, the Black Film uh, Black Film Festival Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I attended. Uh, 
Most definitely a fun, fun experience. Thanks so much for supporting. Racine put it on. Uh, So what made you want to put this on? Like what, 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 what was the, the drive? You know, everybody always asks that, but for me, it was just like a natural progression um, okay. because I've always had some uh, something to do with film ever since I was young. I love photography. I've all, Even since I was like a younger child, I've had like expensive cameras, just snapping pictures. Didn't know what I was doing, but just, yeah, you know, true. in love with the camera. Um, and then as I got older, I just started doing a little bit of things with the f- uh, with filmmaking. Um, I do produce some of my own uh, local talk shows. So we would have a, a weekly show every week and then film it. Um, and then I have other things that I, would f- uh, that I would film or people would pay me to, like, do you know, film their events, things like right. that. But um, it was my last show that um, I was producing. It's, uh, it's a local show called uh, Saturday Morning Live, just local events in the area. And I came home from doing our promo shoot and I said, you know what? I want to do a film festival because, like, I I just like I said, it's just a natural progression, and I just wanted to um, have another platform for people to showcase their their talent. I do talent showcases anyway, but I'm like, okay, why not have a a, a black film uh, festival to showcase filmmakers' talent? Oh, uh, most definitely. And while we on the subject of talent, we did have a very talented director there. Um, what I want to shout him out. What was his his name? It was Hood. Oh, Professional Hood, Hood Entertainment. Professional Hood Ryan Entertainment. Boston. Man, yeah. this man had a movie that was amazing to me. You you got to see it. It's definitely a spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert <laughs> on it. But if you ever get the chance to see it, check him out. Just I don't know. Hit him up. Ask him to just DM, email you a copy. DM him or something because. That film, like it literally was someone in the in yeah. the in the screening that was just like no! leave your head spinning. <laughs> like it was, it's funny, mm-hmm. but it's it, you gotta see it. I yeah. don't want to give it away, but pretty much, yeah, you it, just got it. Just gotta watch it. That just was gotta watch the, it. that was the thing, Napoleon. We had so many. Like for our first year, we had over three hundred submissions from over fifteen different countries. And it was so, yeah, it was so hard to like narrow them down because everybody had an amazing story. But I, what I tried to do was pick out the storylines that weren't so, um, yes, exactly. Uh. You know I mean? Cause we like, we had so many different, um, filmmakers that, uh, submitted, but you know, if they had the like the you know the just the average little storyline or just you know mediocre, mediocre, yeah, I wanted it to be something that they would leave away with, like you are now still talking about it. Nah, yes, and that's what the gist of uh, most of our films that we the official selections. That's how they were. It was it was a lot of dope uh, concept films there. Uh, it was one of them that did like a. I liked how he did a tribute to like Quentin Tarantino because it pretty much was like, what am I going to kill this person with? Am I going to use a hammer? Oh, right, nah, right, right. am I going to use the ninja sword? Nah, am I going to use like a, a battery? Like, what am I going to do with a battery? Like, just like funny stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, just being a, a person that enjoys film, it was it was a wonderful experience. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks. It, it was so funny that you mentioned those two filmmakers because they were actually in the house and both of them actually came from California. Oh, ah, sure. Yeah, so, so I think next year I'm gonna have to name it 
California Slash Atlanta because we had so many California filmmakers really? in the house. It could have been the Cali vibes. Cali, <laughs> Cali ain't no joke, especially yeah, when it comes to film. Yeah, they were serious, yeah. And, I don't know, it's just something. Were they from the Bay by chance? Because, I mean. You know, I I just, they, different parts know. of California. Okay, we even have media attend from California. Really? Yeah. But, I mean, they every everyone that submitted was awesome. But, you know, shouts out to Cali because we had, like, about five or six filmmakers from Cali in the house. Yeah, so, most definitely yeah. a dope. So, Super, super dope experience. I wish my homeboy Twan could have made it, but you know. Man, look, man, the way my work is set up and the way that traffic on 285 was set up that day, like, I did everything in my power. I faked the illness right after lunch so I can, you know, skip that a little early. But it just, you know, it, was, it wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. Next, next, next year, year, though. Next year, next year. yeah. Oh, we got another that. event coming up, so you can make the next Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that, you know what I'm saying? Most definitely. What's, what's the other event? Um, we have Crave the Culture Atlanta coming up. That's in summer of 2020. And basically, you know, like just like I was talking to you guys a little bit beforehand, um, Crave the Culture is like, you know, you hear everybody say for the culture and, you know, we're doing it for the culture and everything like that. But, you know, personally, I feel like our culture is the most imitated culture. And just as is the knowledge. Foundation. Yes. It is the heart. It is the backbone. Our music as we know it derives from what? Jazz music. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, culturally speaking, like I said, we are, it begins and ends and traces back to mm -hmm. blackness. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's, I'm, 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 I'm going to play uh, devil, devil's advocate here. So, do you truly believe that? Like, is that what oh, you think? Oh, it's not. Like, I think it's a fact. Where rock and roll come from? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's okay. one. Uh, yeah. That's one. Okay, right. one. Okay. Shut up. All right. All right. So, all right, all right. We're talking about okay. Technically speaking, the most influential film of all time is based on the fallacy of lie that the, the black man is the black monster, birth of a nation. Oh, all right, true. by wow. D. W. Truly. Griffin. So, even that in itself perpetuating the culture of white supremacy in America at the expense of black people. Right. Okay. Yeah. And if we want to be kind of like on our back, ain't it? Like, uh, Thank you. Okay. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? On our shoulders, on our back, what have you. And mm -hmm. then if we want to flash forward to 1978, um, Charles Burnett's Killer Sheep, one of my most important films. Without Killer Sheep, in my humble opinion, we don't have Spike. And with that, and therefore, if you didn't have Spike, we don't have John. Killer, oh, killer, right. kill, killer true. sheep. Killer of sheep. Killer of it's sheep. Literally a film just about wow. a black family in Watts, post Watts riot, just living their life. Wow. A, a, a husband working at the slaughterhouse, kills sheep for a living. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Trying to provide for his family without doing the wrong thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Simple. Like, no, nothing flashy about it. And when you see that, when you watch that film, filmmakers from David Gordy Green, you know, alumni from my film school, really, really talented. Talented dude and stuff directed Halloween last year. I'm um, stronger, mm -hmm. you know, about the survivor from the Boston Marathon bombing, uh, starring yeah, Jake yeah, Gyllenhaal. Yeah. But his freshman film, George Washington, you see killer sheep all over it. But the reason why I say that to say this that culturally speaking, with art, so much of what we do is imitated and pulled from mm -hmm. uh, the piggyback on what Miss Racine is saying that we don't even know it, which goes back to really, you know, our history. Mm -hmm. So, and also right. too, if we want to talk about technically writing, so to speak, Quentin Tarantino, who you're talking about the film reference is probably one of the greatest dialogue writers that we know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But I will give him except that. Except for Django. But, <laughs> but, I will give him that. But on a, but on a great Asterix. day, on yeah. a great day, as yeah. good as Grace Tarantino is, I'll throw Aaron Sorkin in there as well. You know, what can they say about August Wilson? 
And that's why yeah. I think it's so important that Denzel bought that whole catalog from his his um century cycle of plays because because of Denzel now, we're gonna get Ma Rain's Black Place or Black Black Bottom, excuse me, starring Viola and Chad Boswick on Netflix. And I sit here say that just listen to a August Wilson play if you want to hear dialogue. Tarantino mm. is trying his damnedest to sound like a black dude. Wow. But he's not black. But <laughs> yeah. but black culture, when you talk about the heart and soul of blackness without no strings attached, without the third, fourth, fifth perspective, it is August Wilson. Like just August Wilson, Tennessee Williams, four or five other dudes, and then you might want to introduce Quentin and Aaron Sorkin. And that's not a slight. You know, but right, I just, completely understand. But it's, it's if factual. If we're just talking or about where it comes from, non-biased, yeah. so, not a non-biased opinion. Exactly. And, and to so, add to that, so. it's it's not even just film. And and you know, additionally, crave the culture is music, film, art, fashion, and literature. So like wherever you look, you know, you can like you said, writing. You know, you can it pick it back out. To us, Ernest Gaines. Yeah. You know, so Talk knowledge. About. You 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 skipped over. You have to shout out your film school. Yeah, yeah you oh, well, okay, do. well, yeah, my film school, UNCSA, School of the Arts in Winston-Salem, they produce some great talents. From the acting standpoint, from the drama school, you may or may not know him or get to know him, Jonathan Majors, blowing up right in front of us. He's working on um, um, Lovecraft Country right now locally in Atlanta, but you last might have seen him in White Boy Rick. Okay. Uh, okay. He was also in um, um, Captive State. And um, he was in Hostiles as well. Very, very underrated film. Hostiles should have got more love. It's definitely a, a fascinating Western. We talk about America's relationship with the Native American. And then he was a Buffalo soldier, so to speak. Not to go off in the weeds too much. But, yeah, in terms of School of the Arts, um, you know, one of the best kept secrets in terms of film schools. You know, I had the dubious and awesome pleasure of going there, who I met, Alexa Riaz, Graham Waldrop, shout out to them because they will be getting married next May. I'm Graham's own groomsman. Okay. okay. But, um, Congratulations to them. We got we got somebody that's getting married. On, on, I got a homeboy that's about to get married. Oh, touche. You know? <laughs> okay. Congrats to all those who are ready to start that next chapter because <laughs> I take my sweet time every day getting to that chapter. I love you, sweetheart, Essence. All right? <laughs> okay. But um, I sit here to say that. You said a name, so it's real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been real. It's been real. So it, it, I talk about how I run, how I run, you know what, and stuff, but she knows who runs who runs the business of knowledge. So if you, if you are a cursor, man, you can. Oh, by all means, then she runs, she runs this motherfucker. All right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just <laughs> ain't got around to cussing this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I try yeah, not to, but, but you know, you do, do your thing. He bro. encourages it though. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> by all means, do by you, all bro. means. Do so, you. I'm trying to stop. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <little> Sanchez, <laughs> so how long, how long you and the asses has been together? <laughs> Let's get into this. So speaking for myself, man, for film school, my, my extended creative family, you know, Graham, Alexa, Graham, my writing partner on my first feature, slash producer, Alexa, my producer for my thesis film, Death of a Wizard, which I did with my other creative partner, Sasha Whitaker. Shout out to Alex Thompson, who was a co-writer on that project. Very, very talented writer, director himself. I do kind of want to get into Death of the Wizard. Say uh, word of wherever you want to drop the, drop the needle on. I it, mean, man. I, I, I just kind of want to, you know, pump the brakes a little slightly on say that. Word, just to, just, just got, to find out, like, what was your thought process? Of, so I saw you wrote it and directed it, right? Well, I, I, I co-wrote it. Story by me in terms of breaking the story. But Sasha Whitaker and mm -hmm. Alex Thompson, Alex Warren Thompson, they actually wrote the writing and they did the writing element of it and brought it together and then I did the the directing madness behind it. So, so where where did that uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, to Sasha and Sasha and Alex. Sasha and Alex. That story. So where did it come from and 
So if you haven't seen it, I recommend you go watch it. It is on. It's all Vim- you could. It's on Vimeo. You could probably just Google "Death of a Wizard." It, it'll pop up. It was uh, my senior thesis film, just to kind of piggyback on what Napoleon's saying and just uh, tee you up for it. The synopsis is essentially in the wake of MLK's assassination, two young black men and their former friend, their incarcerated friend's little brother, who is Caucasian, living in their neighborhood, opt to go kill the local grand wizard in their small town. It was just kind of us with them planning it, working towards it. And just this overall theme about this is what hate gets you on both sides of the fence. So, yeah. yeah, So, right. So spoiler alert, how I saw how it ended, but (laughs) is the trigger pulled? Like if you, when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Did they pull the trigger or did they not pull? Did he not pull the trigger at the end? And it's like, I get so you're saying hate was the driver that made them go to the links that they did to plan out this uh, abduction slash robbery. I slash, think, uh, I, well, I would murder. I mean, I would, even in the film, he said everybody has hate in them. Right. Mm. So I would say this, um, two questions, a few questions in there. Do you, what do you think happened at the end? Cut to black. Cause you, cause you know, as far I have my perspective on it as a storyteller, but it's for you, the audience member, what'd you take away from it? What, what do you think? Uh, I've, I mean, I didn't hear the gunshot, so I'm inclined to think that the trigger was not pulled, but they have come that far, so I think that he did. And, I mean, they they had come that far. So, to me, if I had gone that far and I had made that many mistakes, then it's just you, you got Dude, to. What do we got to lose now? Right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like, here now. You kind of got to. Like, so, I mean, you've done everything up to this point, so you kind of got to. So, um, yeah, and, and in terms of the thesis, where it came from, at least for me, being my senior thesis project, just kind of these these ideas of obviously fascinated with the period, and I kind of came to this place in my life where I was just re-educating myself in terms of our history, and I think um, especially later on when the film was made, it, it kind of creates a reaction in you. You know, there's some people that were very, very moved by it, you know, liking it, liking what it made them think, what it made them feel. There's a lot of people that are just very put off by it. They didn't want to talk about it, you know, yeah. And, and, um, can can we can we yeah. before I I kind of want to talk about people that are put off by it and don't want to necessarily address some racial issues. And I mean, I think well, we in pre-production we were talking about American Son, which is a and amazing. I'm, and and movie. I'll say it's about Death of Wizard. I do that film totally different now. I know what I know now. I think I'm just in a totally different place mentally, emotionally, approach wise. Not not disowning the film, okay. but but even as a storyteller, I just see I always look at everything that I make as Oh, there's 10 million more opportunities to make it 10 times better. So, right. oh, absolutely. So, yeah, but yeah. I'm more so concerned about the people yeah. that are put off by having an actual conversation about race relations. Like, how, how should someone that is willing to have, in your perspective, in all of you guys' perspectives, how should someone have that conversation or go about that conversation? Like, clearly, I want to talk about this. I clearly see that you either feel some way about me or feel some way about a certain subset of people. How can I have, but you don't want to talk about this. You feel like this is your own. It's, and it's like, I, I can't, how, how can I break you out of that shell? Or how have you as a person of color tried to get someone to break out of that shell that they don't want to talk about it? It depends. I think um, now, obviously I've been fortunate to where at least between death of a wizard and even to some degree, my previous thesis film, like melancholy for joy, which is, you know, two gay women filing for adoption and the older brother, the, the black brother, rather shy from the, the Josephine who was black and stuff, disowning her because she is gay. 
that conversation. What is family, right? You right. know, stuff like that. So I find as a creative, um, I almost always come from a, come at everything I make from a story of what is the question, you know? What is family? Death of Wizard, what does hate really get you, you know? What is justice? What is an injustice, right? Um, um, release, you know, what is it to, to heal? At what price do you heal? What, what, what does it mean when you exchange one unhealthy relationship for another? So from that standpoint, as a creative, I think it's at least on me with everything I, I make to create something that at the very least can be a gateway drug to create those conversations. To piggyback on Miss Racine, she's creating venues and events, in my opinion, that bring creatives together that never would have met. But they're here in these spaces, and they, they can affect each other, i.e. you were affected by a film that right. without her creating that event, you're more likely never exposed to it. And she created a gateway for filmmakers from California who might not never have came to Atlanta otherwise, but they have one more place to showcase their film in the South from California. So not only are they taking in the Atlanta culture, they're also bringing their film to the Atlanta culture and people from Atlanta are meeting them, not to go to sidebar. So I would say it is on the creatives to create the conversations that challenge the community in the right way. And I, and I say that a whole lot because creatives get platforms that atypical people don't like you have, you are asking the question on your podcast as a creative. Mm. Right. It's important. So somebody's going to listen to this and at the very least for a few seconds, hopefully more, just think about it like, wow, how do I discourse with somebody who otherwise wouldn't? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? So I'd, I'd say from that standpoint, you know, because people want to live in their privilege. We all have some right. form of privilege. People want to protect that. But I do think people want to live in their, 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 their bubble, bubble yeah. their safety zone. And, I'm a firm believer I'd rather us have the 15, 20-minute uncomfortable conversation if it leads to a better place of understanding and growth than us not talk about it and it festers and then, like, gang green, we got to cut the whole arm off, you know? So, Absolutely. So I think from that standpoint, as creatives, it's on us just to keep creating the art that challenges and questions the culture and questions each other. I um, thought it was interesting he said that you came across people that didn't want to have the conversation like what? What did they experience, or what was their past that they didn't even want to talk about it? Um, in reference to Death of a Wizard, it was fascinating because I think um, art is such a transcendent, transformative thing that we bring what we bring to it. So respectfully, I've and I met some people who they said I'm old enough to remember this actually happening, and then just to give you the gambit, there are people that felt like. They don't talk about it in the history books. They don't want you to know about it, but there were young black men, and even in some cases, people who are Caucasian that were doing this sort of thing. Oh, you man. know, so, but the narrative has been pushed for so long for us to be peaceful, to pray on it, to not retaliate. And not saying that is a bad narrative or bad ideology, but I think we're living in a day and age where we're always constantly questioning when is the tide going to turn? Now, and those, for people who responded to it negatively, so to speak, I think it was very much, if I had to say anything, because I didn't get the luxury of having an extended conversation, but I think it's, this is what I believe in. I don't know how I feel about, just, you know, spoiler alert, seeing the white boy who hangs out with the black kids and gets killed. Oh, right. I don't know how okay. I feel about that, you know? And like I said, it was it, it hurt, but which was the blessing and the inspiration was when I met the talented Forrest Whitaker and he saw he's like the film is not that that's like if that's what you take away from it then you're very very surface level mm -hmm. right you right, know right. like this is 10 times more than that like you know what I mean so and then, so yeah and so and from that standpoint I felt like we was you know mining for gold you know and I think speaking for Sasha speaking for Alex we would do 10 we would do things totally different narratively how we oh, worked absolutely. on it 
but I that's do, growth though. Like gro- growth, it, growth is a good thing. Yeah, so absolutely. But I, but I think Sasha, we were talking about it two weeks ago again. He's like, you know, looking back on it now, what I do take away from the film, everybody who was black in the film wasn't going to take it no more. And I think if all else, there's something to be said for that. So, so yeah. And I sit here to say that and stuff. I'm all about. I don't want everybody to just open their arms and love everything that I make. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that going back to your point, it's important that we have people that like the Joker a whole lot. It's important that we have people like you that it just doesn't do nothing for you. You find it boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You disconnect with it. You know, I have what, what Graham, one of my closest creative partners feels like he's like, Hey man, it's, you know, great performance, but I, I would, I would say that this hype machine behind it, I don't get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I just don't get the hype, but talk, talking yeah. about films that I, so everyone likes different films. Like you said, I didn't yeah. like the Joker. I didn't like the Joker as a movie. Some it yeah. did have some nice Easter eggs in it. It was, it's not bad. I just don't like it. Like I, I don't see the hype and all the good stuff. Which, it's, which it's, is fine though too, right? right. Like that's important, you know? right? And I said all so. that to say that everybody has different films that they like. So I kind of want to go down the line of, just to kind of let everyone know who everyone is. If we can list out like maybe a top three, top five favorite films if you got some anyone want want to volunteer to go first so you, you got I love to let the ladies go first just, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know you're here with the mic but I love to let the guys go first too <laughs> no you know actually you don't um, even have to name all five well, you can name like one or two and then like it's listen, funny because I am just I'm uh, what you call eclectic or whatever uh-huh. yes. so you know a few years ago my list would have been different then when I saw my the submissions because actually now some of my favorite films are some of the submitted films independent independent filmmakers you know because um and and I I should say um some of our judges uh, matter of fact our judge one of our judges is Deion Taylor he has black and blue um, movie out right now. Yeah, uh-huh. So, I mean, that's cool. And, you know, he's he's still technically independent filmmaker. Which is a great movie, by the way. I right, right. And, um, but, you know, some of the filmmakers who aren't getting exposure and who are in the film festival circuit or whatever, they some of those films are like, oh, my God, I got so emotional looking at some of those films. And yeah. I'm just like, the world needs to see this, you know. <laughs> and, you know, But, you know, a few years ago, it might have been like, okay, some blockbuster film or whatever. So uh, my, my taste has really, really changed recently. Really? Yeah, I, I feel like the more film festivals I go to, the more I do see not the, the, the art. Cause, so it's different levels of film. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, it's blockbuster film and then it's the true film just like it's like i mean i everybody i know can i can talk to people in music so it's like you know you got your mainstream artists and then you got your right right what used to be underground trap rappers that nobody knew about now they kind of getting thrown and catapulted on top but so me my film i guess selection would be very different i would so I thought about this a little bit, and these are no, in no particular order. Mm-hmm. I would say, so Harlem Nights is most definitely up there for me. So yeah. Harlem Nights is just Harlem Nights. Showcase bruh. of our black royalty. Bruh, yes, most definitely. It's like black excellence before black excellence was even a coin term. And, and, it, and, and there was it, a lot of backlash on that movie. What Was it? Yes. When it came out? Yes. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, I, didn't know. I don't know how he makes his way into every 
podcast with Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> bro, and you always bring him and up. I always bring him up. <laughs> God, yeah. but I, I love Bill Cosby. But Bill Cosby had a little backlash uh, about that movie. Uh, and then they were just saying that it wouldn't work uh, because there's too many black people, you know. Really? Oh, wow. I mean, movie came out in the 80s. Yeah, but then to think about it, that's just like having like the Yankees or the Lakers. It's like, bro, you got an all-star cast and people going to mm. play their position? Are you serious? So, I mean, Harlem Nights is up there for and me. And that's a snapshot, too. When you look at Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Della Reese. What is it? Um, uh, Robin. I'm, I'm saying his Robin name. Harris. Robin oh, Harris. Robin right, Harris, yeah. Right. We, when you just... You look at a generation of, of black comedy, black excellence that a generation that just will, will never have. They'll never know. They'll never know their importance. You know, like right. we're, we're almost one more generation removed to where when you say Red Fox now, they'll be like Red who? Mm-hmm. Some yeah. people aren't even be familiar with Sanford, Sanford and Son, right? So, from that standpoint, if all else, I gotta watch Harlem Nights once a year. If all else, just to kind of <laughs> gaze, <laughs> right, right, just to right, kind of right. gaze, you know, and especially too because you know Richard was so close to the end. Well, at least being the rich that we knew, right? Oh, yeah, At yeah. the end, because if you pay attention to Clarify, you can see he's not moving around like that. But, and also, to our senior, so, so like I said, I, um, that in itself is beautiful from the snapshot of it, you know, we look at it, because we don't get that often. That's why, to tie it in now, so I think it's great with Dol- my, my name is Dolomite, that yeah, we, do, we do have so many of us on screen that are talented, all symbi- symbolically on the screen at the same time. It's not like the walk-by roles, but yeah, so. Yeah, most, mm. and yeah, going going back to the Rudy, what, My Name is Dolomite or Rudy Ray Moore film? Yes, or, My Name mm-hmm. is Dolomite. Yeah, going back to that, that, that was amazing to me. How did y'all feel about that? I, 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 so did any, did everyone see it? Did anyone not see it? Has anyone oh, heard what? about it? <laughs> That's all, yeah. I've been, I've been, I, uh, to my defense, <laughs> I've been going up and down the road. I mean, you putting road on trip. all these festivals. <laughs> you so. haven't had an hour and a half to sit. Right, oh. that hour and a half has been. I've been driving from bed, Florida right? to Connecticut and back. Oh, yeah. uh, okay, okay. You know they do make airplanes. Uh, <laughs> I don't like to fly. I don't like to fly. So, okay, Khaled over here, scared to get on the plane. Like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, <laughs> but so I mean, so Twan, did you did you see it? Of course, I saw it. Eddie, look, Eddie Murphy, one of my favorite comedians. Uh, one of my favorite movies, even though we didn't get there yet. Oh it, yeah, please! It's the Nutty Professor. So of course I Bro, watched it. The Nutty Professor is oh, dope. Of course I watched yeah, 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 it. So yeah, yeah. so I even watched the original. I like the remake better than the original. Really? That's that's, yeah. uh, that's a hot take. And I like Cinderella. I like Cinderella, which they were. That's yeah. a big hot take. You know, I know somebody listened to the podcast like you like the Clumps over the Nutty Professor. I like the Nutty Professor over Jay Lee Lewis. Sue me. Say word. Uh, I, oh well, I, that goes without being said. People don't even know that the, the that Nutty it was a remake. a remake. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know it was a remake. I remember Flubber was a remake, but yeah. I mean that's oh, a whole right, different right. thing. Yeah. But with the Nutty Professor. We can go on a whole tangent of how I feel like the Plato's allegory of the cave and all that good stuff. We had kind of got into it into the te- in a group, but it's just like the Nutty Professor. People really act like it's just like a mainstream film, but it's like literally them showing a everyman that has found the power of fire or knowledge. Shout out to you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and it has created like a... He, you know, like he's the smartest person at the university, and he they still holding him back. It's a talk on like he's black and like smart, and he's fat, 
and like the it was the, the body image. Watching thing it was like an autobiography for me. I was like, how they know? <laughs> oh, this <yeah>. is me. <laughs> this is me. No, but it just it just literally took everything. Like I mean, a lot of people talk about shifting the paradigm, but it literally took the paradigm and flipped it on top of his head and put it into a kids movie that everybody can watch. And it's so many levels to the Nutty Professor. Mm. I probably wasn't even gonna say the Nutty Professor, but since you said it, yeah, that's that's up there for me. Like people sleep on the Nutty Professor. Like you can watch that movie. Now I gotta watch it again. It's like five (laughs) different levels to the Nutty Professor for real. But you know, that's just how I see stuff. Yeah. But, but what were you, I forgot what you were saying. You was I, asking if I seen Dolomite. Oh, yeah. Long story, long answer short. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. You seen it? Yeah, I've seen uh, Dolomite, yes. Okay. And uh, Knowledge, have you seen it? Um, I've seen it. Well, I've okay. seen, yes, my name is, well, my name is Dolomite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my name is. And Racine, you, did you see the original? Uh, Don't tell you, you say no. No. <laughs> I, I mean, the original is playing right now. And then, like, so I didn't know. I didn't know there was an original Dolomite film either. And that's the movie. Because I didn't seen the Instagram thing where it's like the black dude do fake karate, kick dude in the car. Yeah. And then he be like, like, oh, you so, see Instagram yeah, I stuff. Watching, so I seen it. I just didn't know I seen I was, it. I was watching something on Instagram where they were saying that, uh, no, I was Kev on stage. He was saying that he didn't realize that uh, I'm going to get you sucker was like a, a parody of all the black sportation films. Oh, yeah, so, most definitely. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've never seen the original Dolomite. I try to watch it on YouTube. It's on there. It's an hour and 30 minutes long. But it's one of those movies if I feel like if you didn't watch it in that time period, with all this technology we have now, you're not going to be able to appreciate it. Like I told one of my coworkers, you got to watch The Last Dragon. Blue's Leroy. You have to watch it. Yeah. However, he saw it post-Matrix. Oh, so he's like, I get it. But yeah, I couldn't get into it. I was like, Understood. Yeah, Matrix mm-hmm. is one of my favorite movies just because yeah. you said it. The, the first one. The other two, I get it. Maybe. They they made it work. The second the one was f- better than the first, in my opinion. Uh, no. Nah, better I mean, action. I, so I went for the fight scenes. I was there for the storyline of The Matrix, and it's like a whole... I, I like movies with deeper meanings that mm-hmm. are super... Like, you can watch it, and then it's got a deeper meaning or something with a twist. So that's that's just what it, I what I grabbed. Hence why you didn't like The Joker. That brings uh, me to uh, maybe. two of my, when you said that, I thought about two movies that I do love no matter what. Okay. Bronx Tale. A bron- uh, for different reasons. People sleep on it. And um, Inception. Inception. Yeah, because when you said the deeper meaning thing, I need something that's going to like get my little brain moving. And I know. went and saw Inception in the theater, which speaks a lot because the job I was working at the time wasn't paying me. <laughs> But I saw it in theaters at least five times in one month. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, yeah, is that good? And I bought snacks. So. Wow. I got off work one day, so I'm going to go watch it again. And Dollar Tree was closed. And I was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, five and blow my new spot now. You know what I'm saying? Hey. <laughs> Hey, we in there. <laughs> oh, so yeah, so we really just gonna have this with a director on on the podcast. Whoa, whoa, but. my favorite social media comedian, I Pump Puppy, said we are here to support the film, not the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At all, concessions is not like, going you, you seen how my name is Dolomite? He said, hey, you get all the movie tickets, <laughs> I get the popcorn money. Oh, right. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> nah, now nah, that you got any uh, favorite movies that you want to, honorable mentions maybe? Um, we shouldn't do favorites. So well, top favorites five. just really depends on what day of the week, what right. mood I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going on. I think I'm going to start um, honorable mentions. Um, from the, 
I guess the mainstream pile. Um, you can't go wrong with Inception. Um, I even oh, th- oh no, it ain't got to be mainstream. Oh it no, just, th- that's what I'm saying. But some, there's something that you feel like well, he was know. he was in his first category. He was gonna flip it to the second category. Oh, so, so I, yeah, but I you really cut him off. I'm still working on him, man. It's a work in progress. Let me see, man. Um, favorite movies, man. You know, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna switch it up today. You know, I mentioned Killer Sheep earlier. I'm gonna say Killer Sheep. Then I'm gonna go ahead and run from that to Sleep of Anger. Same director, Charles mm-hmm. Burnett. It's a very, very um. It's just now coming around its second wave of being discovered. Danny okay. Glover won an Independent Spirit Award for it. It's a very, very great conversation on black family and this idea of the Southern black family that moves to the big city, a la Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What superstitions you bring with you, your history, stuff like that, and uh. just this kind of idea how there's that family member or friend that can literally upset the paradigm and balance and ecosystem of a family. So I would say off that alone. And also too, I think we forget once again, talking about generational gaps of the treasure that is Danny Glover, you know, Oh, we, 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 everybody sleeps on everyone. Shout out to Danny. Glover. Everyone's thinking of thinking of Murtaugh from lethal weapon, which he's just remarkable in, but in terms of, um, and then him also as Mr. In color purple, another great Mm -hmm. mention, Mm -hmm. you know, a great film from by a great writer, Alice Walker. And, you know, I think a film that we forget that Steven Spielberg gave that to us when we talk about can black art be delivered to us, created by not, yeah, by, well, by non-black, but different sidebar conversation. Um, Danny Glover is just so fascinating. If you haven't seen it already, watch The Last Black Man in San Francisco, not just because my friend Jonathan Majors is in it, but also, <laughs> uh, and I know Danny's only in it for maybe every bit of 10 to 15 minutes, but I think... Just how we look at Sidney Portier and just how we look at um, Denzel. Like, Danny's just uh, was one of our most important actors. And I want to say this point pertaining to My Name is Dolomite. My biggest takeaway is we should truly appreciate the treasure that is Wesley Snipes. Mm. Bruh, yes, yeah, most definitely. We I'm glad this, Wesley was in this film We had well. this image and idea of Wesley as Blade, which he's remarkable as, because Blade is the gateway drug that showed Marvel the big business. Absolutely. Of, Once again, that, that that shoulder thing again, wasn't it? What you were saying about people, like, piggyback, shoulders, piggybacking, mm-hmm. all exactly. that good stuff. Yeah. So there's that, but when you, people forget and they don't, they don't acknowledge, like, Wesley went to Juilliard. You know what I mean? Like, well, he's a classically trained actor, and so he know he actually black belt in like some exactly. form of karate. I don't know what and it the, is, and that's the there. boxing lane that people want to marry Wesley to. That '90s run of the dark skinned brother who can whoop your tail, who may or may not have said he wouldn't, you know, yeah. marry black women, blah blah blah. If you subscribe to that legend, right? But as an actor, as a creative, who's just and I'm not even going to throw. I'm not even going to give you Nino Brown. Nino Brown, that's 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 the for us to where like wow he can carry a movie right. Because right. to him it was like put Shakespeare, but just looking at my name is Dolomite. It is like wow, like so many tools in this guy's utility belt that we should. Obviously, you see my name is Dolomite. Eddie Murphy's back. He never left, but he's back. It's great to see Eddie in a film to where he can be the Eddie we grew up with, right? Right. Mm. Forty Eight Hours, Beverly Hills Cop. But I, I was just really, really so happy to see Wesley at this. And he, he's, he's in the post-50, I call it the post-sexual, where it's not about him taking his shirt off anymore, <laughs> but it's about him being funny. It's about him making you feel, and he was just absolutely great at it, you know. And, and so, uh, yeah. no, no, we're not mentioning Tuan Fu. What we will mention is that uh, I believe Wesley's first role, uh-huh. uh, don't quote me on it directly, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson's bad. It was directed oh. by who? 
Martin Scorsese, yes, directed sir. by one of my film school teachers, the great, talented Michael Chapman, who shot Taxi Driver, The Fugitive, and if we mm. want to really bring it full circle, Space Jam. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. You, see what, you see what we did there? You see what we did there? <laughs> yeah, I see that. That, that, was, yeah. that was a mean tandem that y'all did there. You know random Michael Jack? You nah, know, I, I threw it up, and he just, you know, I'm, I'm Chris Paul, so. he's Blake Griffin. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> D. LeBron. You know, yeah, you know I think um, they refer to the the bad music video, the black and white part of it as pressure, in terms mm-hmm. of the short film title and stuff and everything. And I always, it was always really really cool to have met Michael Chapman. One of the cool things about film school because he's a ex Boston hippie and stuff who got into filmmaking late and stuff. But like you know, low key stuff. He has fingertips on some of the greatest movies ever made. You know, he shot Raging Bull. You know. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like you, you just shoot movie titles out. Like I've I know, seen right? them all. You know, <laughs> what I mean? oh, like, I've seen them. Like, so, some of them I have seen. Some of them like, I haven't. No, no so. seriously, I'm gonna have to play this back and just with a sheet of paper, just, just write down, down all down. these. Yeah, I'm gonna watch them all. Like I'm, I'm and super you do glad. So you quote movie titles like I quote Biggie lyrics. Like you hey, know, man, hey, you I love it. I love it. But it's interesting how you um, expanded on Wesley because, like, what I do now is I don't just have, like, favorite movies. I might, like you, look at an actor and kind of follow that actor. If, if if they have a movie coming out, I'm like, okay, I know so-and-so is in it. That's going to be a good movie, you know, because uh-huh. certain actors, you can right. expect a certain performance, a performance. caliber, a yes. prestige with mm-hmm. it, you know? I like uh, yeah. versatile actors. Uh, one of my favorite actors right now, is uh, I don't know his last name, but his first name I think is Lakeith. Oh, Lakeith oh. from Stanfield. Yeah, he played yeah. Snoop in the Straight Outta Compton. Sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you, which is a great film, and he got a new movie coming out with Issa Rae. The photograph. Photograph. Okay, oh, right, man. right. It's, yeah, it's like as soon Atlanta as soon as you put him in a box, he do something else. Well, they they I feel like they took Atlanta, and um, so I've always thought that Atlanta was a black male's perspective on the East Coast. And Insecure is a black female's idea on the West Coast. And I feel like Photograph will be the marriage of the two. It's just, I mean, I'm not part I of the press I see what run. you're trying to do but there, very fascinating, but no. Though, yeah. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> nah, knowledge nah, rocking with me, though. So I mean, uh, he, he, he's, he's, a, <laughs> he's your homeboy. He's going <laughs> to, I'm a different type of homeboy. <laughs> he's on the Homeboy Podcast, so, produced yeah. by 121 Dreams. <laughs> 121 Dreams, <laughs> Dreams Production. <laughs> Follow him at 121 Dreamers on Instagram. 121 Dreamers. Yeah, on I just made Instagram. that up. I can't see. Yeah, something like that, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's 121 Dreamers. Uh, 121 Dreamers on Instagram. But no, nah, I just want to take- 121Dreams.com. Oh, 121dreams.com. My yes, bad. sir. Okay. But I you know it. what? Um, I will say this. A film that I saw recently that's definitely in my favorite pile is um, You're Never Really Here by Lynn Ramsey, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And I say that for you because I feel like um, you, you had your expectations and your wants and needs for Joker. Yes. You didn't necessarily get what you wanted. I get it. You go to your favorite buffet. And the one thing you wanted was to have oral <laughs> subpar, and you kind of like my dude. I drove halfway across town. Yes, you came all the way to go to Crown. They out of the sugar coated orange slices. I'm trying to tell you, my dude. <laughs> and you want you want to kind of make a scene, but you don't want to make a scene. I, well, I'll say this. Um, speaking of Joaquin, fascinating actors. He's definitely in that sweet spot of think of Kobe, think of Michael. Every night they going for forty. Right. So all you can do is hope to keep him in a safety spot, right? That's where Joaquin is. This is the film he did right before The Joker. So literally, he's like 30, 40 pounds heavier, plays a war veteran, PTSD, processing his trauma. What he does for a living is 
go rescue kidnapped girls from politicians. Mm. Oh, He's wow. that guy. Like, oh, literally. Wow. And it's only an hour, 20 minutes. But when I tell you it plays and it moves, it gets in and out. You know, Lynn Ramsey, a very, very talented um, filmmaker. She made um, We Need to Talk About Kevin, or We Really Need to Talk About Kevin. Very, very, very poetic. Very, very fascinating. Visceral. Very, very visually engaging. Like It's a film I would say um, probably about after five, ten minutes, it's going to put its hands around your throat and not let go. Okay, so, man. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to watch that. Oh, wow. So can, definitely. So but yeah. while we're talking about gripping films, can we please talk about the education of Marco Flood since, so, we're, ta- since we're talking about gripping films? I appreciate that layup, man. That's what's <laughs> up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I appreciate the layup. You just point to the rim and stuff, and I'm like, bro, I'm on the bench. <laughs> get him to go get him. <laughs> 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 you got it, though. We're like, throwing you alleys all night, man. What is we have? for? Yeah, it's not. Nah, it was so, definitely gripping. What is the education of Marco Flood? It is a project that I've been developing closely with my creative team and with and for... Um, Jonathan Majors, a project that we've been kind of sort of carrying me and him for the better part of about four or five years now. But it's essentially, it's about our relationship in the black community, the intersection between power and politics. Uh-huh. And this idea that we meet Marco Flood, a very successful brother, TV producer, who went to an HBCU and has acquired a certain level of success in living. And of all things, the content creation world, he produces... um an online interview show. Think of the format of like drink champs, uh, beat 60 minutes, you know? Okay. And the one time he gives an interview to, um, the controversial, but very radically charismatic, um, activist Isaiah little, he gets major pushback from the company he works for. And it pretty much comes down to censorship. We're not going to, we're not going to run the interview. You can go back to running your interviews with reality TV stars, coked out athletes, stuff that doesn't add nothing to the community. And he decides ah. to walk. And when he walks and stuff, he become he gets kind of taken in by Isaiah and his movement. And he more or less becomes his consigliere, if I can quote some Godfather speak for you. Yeah, that, I will say, I, not to cut you off, that's one of my favorite movies. I was going to say that. Mm. Uh-huh. Please. Probably one of the, I'd say for on a good day, I would make, I can have a debate with you. Where I would say Godfather, between Godfather, The Dark Knight, I would throw Mad Max in there. It's probably three of the greatest sequels made of all time. No particular order. I'd probably leave it with Godfather 2. But it's so, when you look at the storytelling in Godfather 2, the fact that I'm showing you the ascension of the son and the rise of the father, and it's literally 30 years of family history in between. Right. And I think when we, when we talk about the, the Go Full Circle awards that Denzel should have won, Denzel should have won for Malcolm X the year that Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman, which is really his makeup award, if I can quote Spike, for the award Al should have won for Godfather. Godfather. So, yeah. But going back to Godfather speak, Tom Hagen, the lawyer, the consigliere, the right-hand man too, you know, the Don, that's essentially what Marco becomes for Isaiah. He becomes the guy who knows about the media. He knows about the politicians. Uh. He knows these are the things you need if you're going to create catalytic change in the black community. Mm. And we just kind of go along with them, and we see activists who his mantra is what, black people want for themselves, they should do for themselves by any means necessary. And we see the guy that wants to do so much for his community, but he doesn't know where he's going to fit in. And so the education of Marco Flood is literally a brother learning about the intersection and the relationship between power and politics and where he fits in while redefining who he is. Wow. So that's, that's the short save your breath moment speech of it. But yeah. Just uh, what you touched on real quick. Uh, another movie sequel that's better than the original. Sister Act Two, <laughs> um, Small World. My one of my college professors wrote Sister Act Two. Really, Ron Sacker Thompson. Shout out to him. One of the 
One of the uh, next to Donna Cooper and the whole screenwriting staff over there, Laura Hart McKinney. Um, I forget the other guy, Bill May. There you go. Just at least a lot of jewels that are paying off for me now as a screenwriter. But the talented Ron Stacker Thompson, who was a, a personal assistant for a while for um, no more black royalty shout out, Bill Duke, who directed oh. Sister Act Two. Right? Bill Duke directed Sister Act Two. Wow. Yeah, I never so, knew. That. Awesome, um, which um, met Bill Duke once. And Eric just met Bill Duke's at work Dude, uh, two weeks ago. Can't, like I said, right? <laughs> it's like being, it's, I don't want to be corny about it, but one, there's this image you have of Bill Duke, right? From no, all you things you've so seen. Right. And then there's actually being in the room with them and stuff, right? And it's just kind of like, it's, uh, to me, it's got to be when it's like meeting the president, you know, or at least meeting Barack. You know what I'm saying? I don't really give a fuck about this president. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, but so from that standpoint, you know, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good conversation, though. It's funny. I mean, my, one of my earliest movie memories as a kid was going to see the original with my mom. So, and, um, yeah, and it's really, really, you know, it's a blessing to have met Stacker T and his wife, who, his wife, talented musician and a creative acting coach, used to date uh, Michael Mann, the director and stuff. So they're all, like, best friends and stuff. So, but I learned a lot from Stacker T in terms of storytelling, which meant a lot to me at film school, the sidebar, because, you know, it's one thing to be taught, Something to be taught by someone that looks like you mm-hmm. that can have an honest conversation with you. And then he would always facilitate and just kind of tie in the difference of he's like, Yeah, before I kind of discovered this, I don't know what was gonna be for me. And then if you know Bill's story, it was the same thing in terms of having this disposition about white and black and some of his earliest teachers exposing him to writing, getting him scholarships to get him on to the next path. So it's just shout out to Bill Duke. I don't think another black creative who we don't talk about enough. No, we you most know? definitely don't yeah. talk about. So that. I got a question. We can go around the table with this. Answer uh, daily double. Because you 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 mentioned a lot of people. Who do you think? I don't. I don't. I did photography in college. So I I had the pleasure of uh, meeting a lot of people, randomly and planned. Like I've uh, had lunch with Arthur Blanks, and I've Jay randomly Word. met uh, Blair Underwood. Who do you think? Probably I don't want to say most influential, but the person you met, and you actually got like starstruck like you you dropped a lot of names so i don't want to say starstruck say starstruck or somebody who's like wow i gotta tell my kids i met this person I gotta, and i got three i gotta tell you man i don't know if it's ever been star starstruck as much as the jewels of knowledge i got from them no that works intended. too yeah my um my mentor at film school for my final two years was the great talented still alive peter bogdanovich okay he directed the last picture show he directed mask with share um, mm-hmm. most recently he, um, directed, um, she's crazy that way or she's funny that way. Excuse me. So, but, um, and I say this, I got to tell a story that when I made my third year film, cause the one about the two sisters fine for adoption, I made it mm-hmm. and I screened it for him. He's like, Edward, it's cold. And I remember being hot cause it was like, you know, you work all year. You have a director that at one point in time, and based on who you talk to, some would say made more relevant and important films than Steven Spielberg. The billionaire, you know? So, like, he's very much from that golden era of Hollywood. He was best friends with him, Orson Welles, for God's sakes. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, it's, so it's, and to me, it was always blowing my mind that we're sitting in a room with somebody who knew, met, made, who knew and took care of Orson Welles, who, based on who you talked to, made at least one of the greatest and most important films of all time. We want to talk about Landmark in terms of Citizen Kane. I'm more of, um, yes. I touch an evil man myself. Another favorite film of mine, I'm a shout out. But anyhow... So, you know, I, wa- I made the film, and I was kind of a little tight about it because it was like all he gave me was it was cold, you know? 
which right. you know, you know, and obviously you know, as creatives, you get the note about, hey, bro, the, the shot's too high. What the hell does that mean? You got to look mm-hmm. for the note behind the note. So right. we flash forward a year later. You know, it's death of the wizard time, and everybody was kind of sort of coming at us like, you know, it's part of the faculty likes it. You went for it. You did it. You know, this should win some awards. Another part of the faculty is like, like I'm just going to say this. Don't tell people I mentored you on this project. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> hey. so, so I sit here to say this. So when I showed it to Peter, he's like, I got to tell you, Ed, you took me back to a time, a place of America that I think we want to forget, but there is no forgetting. Mm. And you did it damn well. Yeah. And, you know, and I forgot how he said, he said it in French, but as the French said, man, you're a master. You got it, you know? And I was like, wow, you know, I, you know, I made something that Peter Bogdanovich rocked with. So in terms of That's that, dope. what I took away from my experience of Peter, Peter, Pistol Pete, as I called him, was there's no substitute for human story. I think going back to what you, what you may or may not found boring about the Joker was, although I'm moved by the Joker, I, I'm compelled by the human story of degradation in our relationship with mental health and the haves and have nots. That obviously, okay. you know, no, that's just me. Now, that being said, that might not have worked for you. No, I, and when I dislike something, I, sometimes people take it as me. I, I'll tell you why I dislike it, and I'll put it out there on the table, and I'll label it. But I want you to tell me why you did like it or why like why I should explain to me why it's dope. Because, yeah. you know, you, you got to put people on. Like, if you ain't never heard this before or you ain't never did this before, how am I going to know that's what I should have been looking for or this like I twitch was like genius. I, I don't know. You need I, I need someone to tell me. So it's like if I say I don't like it, it was boring. Then it's like, no, it was exciting because in this blah blah blah. So you can break stuff down. So sometimes when people say they don't like something, I over explain why I liked it. And <laughs> when they tell me that they the opposite, I ask for like I say it and I want you to explain to me why you liked it. So please continue telling me why the joke And that makes sense because the, the, the reason why I saw Inception the third time, I went and saw it the second time with some friends. They're like, oh, this movie was stupid. I was like, what was stupid about mm. it? And they didn't understand it. Right. So when I stood outside the movie theater, it was like this, this, that, that, that. And they're like, hold on. So they was in dreams? I was, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, so I was like, all right, so look. I'll. And I know you're like, what gave it away? What, <laughs> when, when literally you hear him explain during right. the first Right, so I'm like, let's go back, let's watch it again. And then they're like, oh, I get it now. Wow. What? So, <laughs> about Inception. Uh-huh. Where they stuck. In Inception, where they well, see, stuck. That was, that's, the thing, the that's the thing about it. That's the thing about it. It's open for interpretation. Well, I'll say well, this. The the pop the popular theory about Inception is that the whole Inception was on Cobb because he was mourning the loss of his wife and right. his grandfather, essentially brought in the student to incept the idea to get him to let her go, if you want to subscribe to that. But I'm I'm fairly confident in stuff that he finally came home. To me, so I don't know because remember the little <laughs> thing was spinning at the right. end. Right, well, it's open but, for interpretation. Yeah. Here's the cool thing too because Christopher Nolan, and then you didn't see it drop. Christopher Nolan made that film as a tribute to his wife, mm. who's his producing okay. partner, Emma Thompson. So when you ever see a Christopher Nolan film, you see Emma, that's his wife. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the big thing. And to him, he said Inception is more or less the filmmaking process. And I apologize for the labels, but I think he said the architect would be the cinematographer. And I would say Cobb would be, I guess, comparable to the director. Mm-hmm. Like, he literally broke it all down and stuff. So, and to go back to your point, was it all real? He's like... What if you watch the credits sitting all the way through? I'm really geek out on you and mm-hmm. stuff. The nah, song please. that he plays before the, the oh yo you about to be pulled out mm-hmm. is the song by Homegirl Edith. You know I forget her name. Edith. 
put it out the nah, the song that you hear okay. when you're about to wake up. And when you watch the credits, literally the last line of the credits times out on that song cutting off, the inception's over. So in fact, who's being incepted? Us, the right. audience. Yeah. So when you oh, watch so that song again, is playing when the credits. Watch, okay, I gotta watch it again. Sit down, now. watch all the way through the credits and stuff. Like that's how it, that's how it ends. And man, stuff. I so, see Eric face. This man so smiling so hard. Yeah, is, I gotta watch it. I haven't it's seen Jesus. it. Wow. So, so now the question is, what ideals being incepted on us? So to right. Speak? And I do subscribe to the idea that if the whole film is a production, and the production's purpose was to pull Cobb out of this grief he was dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. His guilt, if you will, right? We, he got that, essentially, by finally killing off Maul's memory, so to speak, you know, and moving on and him coming home, so to speak. But the cool thing about it is, too, you know, um, I think um, Michael Caine, well, well, this is not a big spoiler, but he said, like, a few years ago that he's like, everything, like, he asked the director, so what's real, what's not real. He's like, well, everything that you're in is real. Mm. Your character, so. And, he's, and that's what he said to him. So. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fake. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I was like, I was watching it, and then it was like, was the spindle gonna drop? I'm thinking the spindle was not going to drop. So not even that. In 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 the middle of the film, uh, God, I can't remember who and said I, it. Clearly, I'm going off of memory. I I don't yeah. remember. I mean, you know, I watch but, a movie forty times. Well, y'all mm-hmm. probably don't know. I watch movies sixty times. If it's so, good, yeah, you know, you do because it's always something yeah. new to discover. Right. And that's why I go back to character. Not mm-hmm. even that. I, I normally fall asleep with a TV on, so I'll put it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not even that deep. Like, like I got movies on USB drive. I've legit watched, what's the uh, Kevin Hart, Michael Ely movie about last night? I literally watched that every day last year to go to sleep. Oh, man. Oh, my God. So it's not that deep. But in the middle of the movie. Uh, we got to have a talk about your subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the middle of the movie, uh, somebody said, was talking to Cobb, and he was like, oh, some corporations after you. So he made it seem like the whole movie was him dreaming. Oh, that wow. none of it was real. Oh, my God. So I hate, I can't stand you, movies like that. Though. Yeah, I love Inception. There's good, there's <laughs> yeah, great, there's great theories dope. about it, but I, I'm more lean towards the, if any theory I would subscribe to, it was Cobb who's being incepted on, you know, about mm-hmm. this idea. But like I said, I always, there's a great analysis online about it, but if you watch the film, and if you watch it in totality, knowing all the rules and stuff, mm-hmm. just remember mm-hmm. just remember about the music. Because the music yeah. is so important. If you sit through the credits and everything, literally the music, mm-hmm. the crescendo, that's where it ends when the credits cut off and stuff. So, yeah. which in theory, that's any film experience that you watch it. There's a series of ideas you take in. Mm-hmm. And then it ends in the ideas left or right, attached to you or not. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so exactly. any influential or starstruck or anybody who dropped the most... Jewels on you? Um, no, I. You know, I'm. I'm gonna say I don't. You know, I don't get starstruck uh-huh. because um, I. I just believe that everybody brings. You know, whatever they're gonna bring to the table. You're supposed to meet people by law of attraction, and you know. But I don't get starstruck. I don't get caught up in that. I've met a lot of people. Um, surprisingly, a lot of people have contacted me that I've only, I've never even dreamed or imagined that I would work with right. or, um, you know, that I've only heard on the radio or seen on movies, you know, um, over the years. One person <laughs> that, that, um, and it's not even, it's not even too deep of, 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 uh, what you call knowledge or whatever, not knowledge, but oh, I don't want to say your name. <laughs> but it's not even too deep. But one time, about two, well, about three years ago, before he about a, about a, 
a year before he passed, someone kept saying, um, I was supposed to pick up somebody, and she was like, um, can you pick up Mr. Gregory? Mr. Gregory, he's going to be at the hotel. Da, 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 da. And I said, okay. And she kept on saying Mr. Gregory. And then I said, okay. And she said, well, he's going to be in there. He's talking and stuff. And, and I said, okay. And then when, when I pulled up, she didn't tell me it was Dick Gregory. Oh, man. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, say it was Dick Gregory. So, I, so I tried to see Dick Gregory at the uh, Atlanta Comedy Theater. Yeah. Well, that's, that was the night. I um, I picked them up. So I missed that a, show. And, yeah, dropped them off at the, the Comedy Theater. So um, she was in the, we were in the car together for about 25 minutes. And um, <laughs> and I don't know why I thought of this the other day. He, I was telling him because I do a talk show called Don't Be Salty, All About Relationships. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him about my show because we get comedians to be on the panel and everything. And the the um what he dropped on me is he was like, did you copyright it? Cause niggas will take your shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is like my that was like my I I don't know why I thought about that the other day. <laughs> so I uh, I actually bought tickets for the second Dick Gregory show and unfortunately he passed mm. uh today. I think the show's on a Wednesday, he passed that Monday. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I was wow. I was pretty upset. It was Dick mm. Gregory and Paul Mooney. Yeah, I didn't even see the show. I, I had to like rush somewhere. Just one else. person I could think of. And I wasn't starstruck, but it was kinda like a meeting when I met him. I think it was at the right time from a perspective standpoint. Ryan Coogler. Oh, wow. And I say it's a good standpoint because Sasha Whitaker is like one of my best friends, mm-hmm. right? And um, if you don't know, Sasha's pops produced Fruitfall Station. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, was a mentor uh, to Ryan. And when Fruitfall came out and stuff, you know, post-film school life, damn, what can a brother do to get a movie made? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yes. And it was crazy, too, just from a timeline standpoint. I just met his pops. He had asked about the Death of the Wizard feature. We weren't ready. And he wind up producing um, Fruitfall Station. But anyhow, Sasha's like, yo, man, the next time you come through California, we're going to go up to the Bay Area. I want you to meet Ryan because I think you'll see a lot of yourself in Ryan, believe it or not, right? And a part of me is kind of like, like, okay, however that's going to work, right? You know? <laughs> so, I, and, and, you know, me and Sasha, we were working on a project. So I flew down to um, to Cali. We did the road trip thing, you know, got to where we was going. The next day we went down to, um, I want to say, don't hold me to this, but let's say East Oakland area, right? Okay. Anyhow, Ryan was a great host and took us to a great, great, Soul food vegan spot, right? Oh, okay. Because I remember, because okay. I got um, I think I got a uh, type of jambalaya and stuff and everything. That was pretty good, you know. You vegan? Um, no, but okay. um, <laughs> but, um, you know what I'm saying. But Sasha is, you know okay, what I'm saying. Got so you, got you. every time we go out together and stuff, that's like half of my list of spots <laughs> where I want to take them to. So anyhow, we went to the spot, man. It was just really, really cool, man. Because one, Ryan was a very, very human and hospitable dude. And we talked a little bit about Death of a Wizard. He talked about his experience just because at that point he had just kind of gotten home after doing the rounds with Fruitfall Station and, you know, tours, awards, the whole nine. Right. You know, like like Ryan's life had kind of hit that next chapter change standpoint. And, um, and he was so gracious with his time. And then we talked a little bit about Creed, just kind of what we had heard about it. We had talked about Black World, too. We had a great conversation about Isaiah Washington. And the whole point that I took away from it was is that, like, you know, Met him, we dapped up, we took a picture together, which was fascinating to me because he's like, Yeah, man, can we get a picture? And I'm like, What do you want to take a picture of me for? You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I, I ain't nobody, I mean, shit, you know. And then, um, and so I was just like, Yeah, man, like, that's why I wanted you to see that, like, you know, you and Ryan are more alike in ways than you'll never know. 
And I th- and I think that's why things is going to work out for you. You know what I mean? I think and he's like, man, I think we do this thing as black people to where we see people that are more or less our same age group, our same profession, our same craft. And we feel like what's so special about them or me, X, Y, Z. And there's just so many energies in terms of alignment in the mm-hmm. universe. And from that standpoint, um, and I say this from a standpoint, me and Ryan don't talk on the regular. So I don't want anybody thinking that like, oh, I can get him on the phone. <laughs> but um, it's just very, very humbling having met him on his path, so to speak, him being gracious of his time and him just, you know, being a supportive dude and energy. And he's like, yo, it's a community, man. We need, you know, we had a great conversation about those black creatives and right. buying together and just making sure we tell these kind of stories and stuff. So I sit here to say that, that everything you've ever seen from Ryan, the, the humbleness is that's who he mm, is, you know, yeah. like it's, He's very much that kid from Oakland who played football, who's passionate about storytelling and has had these great opportunities. He's done right by us all the way. And for me, that was important because mm-hmm. I was literally prepping release. Like a few months later, we went into shooting, you know, and he's just like, yo, brother, good luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. like, like literally, and not to say like, yo, I had the whole Rocky moment run up the steps, but it was just, it felt good <laughs> because it's like, he could have been like, yeah, man, you know, my movie was produced by Forrest Whitaker. Right. Good luck with your little movie, your friends. Right. But he's like, yeah. nah, man, you like, Go do your thing, and that's the right, the, the big definitely. thing. I'll say that goes. It was like hum, I was humbling. I, yeah. I needed it, so yeah. 